Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, as you're being seated, join me in the book of 1 Thessalonians. We're going to get right into the Word. And we will um, obey the instruction of the Lord to receive the project, uh, Ezra project giving for our building at the end of the service. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I want to look specifically at verse 23. And today I want us to examine our faith, examine our lives and find out are we receiving believers? Can you just say that out loud? Am I a receiving believer? A receiving believer because we often use the phrase believer but believers are receivers. If we're accurately believing, we are receiving from the word of God and from his provision in prayer We are learning in the process of believing how to access and lay hold of those things which he has made available for us in the covenant, all things that pertain unto life and godliness, the financial provision, the health provision, those things are ours, but they have to be accessed and brought into manifestation by faith. And so believers are receivers. Amen? And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and some of the things that we will touch on today are are basic fundamentals of faith. And it is fundamentals, it is the fundamentals that allow us to become skilled in a thing. When the football team is preparing a new team to work together as a team on the field, they do a lot of practicing fundamentals. They go over drills that they have gone over all through high school and now they're in college or, or whatever uh, uh, level of football they're playing. They are learning things that they've practiced the whole time they've ever played football. And it is the fundamental of that practice. It is the fundamental element of what they're practicing because in those fundamentals are the the elements that will provide skill. When uh, a person, for instance, uh, I know of a person who was trained all throughout college as a classical pianist. And she said, before I would sit down to play a major piece of music, I would warm up with the, with the basic, uh, the basic uh, keys that they go through, just going through those basic skills. She said, I wouldn't sit down and open up a piece of, of uh, you know, Bach and start to play Bach. I would sit down and first do my, uh, my basic chords that I go through and the basic warm-ups. It were those, in those, 
basic fundamental things were the right keys and the right placements and all of the things that cause your muscle memory to remember how to hit what I'm going to need to hit when I have my focus on trying to read the music. That's the same in our faith. There are things that it would benefit you to learn not to get bored with something you've heard before. Don't allow your flesh to knock you out of learning a fundamental truth, of going back and saying, yes, I know that, but just because I know it doesn't mean I have that skill proficient in my life. Just, I will never go beyond Mark 11. I will never get to the place where I will say, Hebrews chapter 1, I don't need it. These, are, these fundamentals of my faith are what will perfect me and prepare me and develop me to be skilled in the workings of my faith. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, completely. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Completely. The God of peace sanctify you, set you apart completely, wholly, the 100% of you. And then he begins to give us the details of what that means for a believer, the wholeness of a believer, the wholeness of a child of God. What is the complete nature of a child of God? It says, spirit, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are spirit. We have a body. Uh, we have a soul. We live in a body. But as a child of God, you are spiritually alive. You are born again. The life of God now dwells in you. You are alive unto God. The 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 condition of who you are after you're saved is spiritual. You still have a body before you're saved. You still have a soul before you're saved. But that was the limit. There was no life in the spirit of a, of a person. There's no spiritual life. That person is disconnected from the life of God until they receive Jesus Christ as Lord. And in the receiving Jesus Christ as Lord, spiritual life comes into the heart. And with that spiritual life, with that spiritual life comes the ability to operate the spirit of man. You are now capable of... It's like... Um, being in a cockpit of an airplane and nothing is working. And all you can fly by, all you can do is fly by what you can see outside the window and what you remember, uh, okay, this is how it turns on and I can hear the engine and this is, I can see where, where the runway is going to end and I can look down and see how far I am from the ground. All of those things are, are very difficult to fly in. Those conditions are, are very limiting. It's in that situation that a person can only fly when the, when, the, when, the, when the sky is clear and when the conditions are clear. In our lives, we are not just limited to flying our life by what we can see out of the cockpit of our, our 
life. Not just what we can hear and what we can remember by experience of how to make this thing work, but instead we have all, because we're alive now, all the, all the radar system is working, all of the computer system is working, all of those different uh, technologies that's on the, uh, the, the uh, dashboard of the cockpit. You can look down and you can, not just by guessing with the eye how far you are, you can look down and you can know to a specific detail how far from the ground you are. You can know with a specific detail what your, what your attitude and your altitude are. You can know very specifically how far away you are from that mountain range, how far away you are from a, a storm system, how to fly around the storm system. You can see where the different cells of the storm system are more difficult and you can fly around them. Why? Because all of the... the, the um, dis, all of the supernatural design of your life is working on your dashboard. God has equipped you with the ability to live by faith, to walk by faith, to fly by faith. He's equipped you with the ability, with the word of God, you can see things that the eye can't see. With the word of God producing faith in your heart, you can know things that, there's, that the ear can't know. And that the eye can't know, but you can know them by faith. You have the ability to hear the voice of God because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You are equipped now with victory equipment. All of your equipment is now on and lit up and you can, now you got to learn to read it. Now you got to learn how to utilize and, and fly by the instruments. And so... There, I've heard pilots say it is more, uh, it is, once you learn how to read the instruments, you don't even need to have a cockpit window. You don't even need to be able to look outside. Why? Because I can do everything I need just by looking down at the instruments and be more accurate. Hallelujah. That's what happens when you're alive spiritually. You can learn to live more accurately in your life than you can by looking at what you can see and what you, going by what you can hear and by what you feel and by previous experience. We want to bring all of those, those information sources under the control of what we are. We want to go by what we see on the radar before we go by what we have in previous experience. We want to go by what the Word says before we allow what we can see about the situation to take the dominant role of the decision-making. Amen. So he says, your whole spirit and soul and body. Spirit, this is a divine order. The Holy Spirit put it in this order on purpose. Your spirit is the real you. And your spirit feeds on God's word. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soul has a three-part consistency as well. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind feeds on information. And it produces knowledge. Your will 
exercises choices and develops willpower. Your emotions feed on relationships and produce feelings. And God provided these things, but not to be the, the decision maker of our life, not to lead us and to guide us, but to provide input and, and joy to our lives. The body feeds on physical food and produces physical strength. But because the spirit is the predominant part of the believer, we must give place to feeding the spirit. We must give emphasis to spiritual development and spiritual strength because this is the part of us that we're flying by. This is the part of us that we want to be developed so that we can um, effectively and accurately walk in the plan of God in the, in the light of His Word. And I'm not going to do that if my spirit is receiving the least amount of attention in my life. If I give my body all the attention and I feed it and I feed it and I feed it and I never feed my spirit, then my flesh is going to have, my body is going to have a greater uh, voice and say, yeah, but I want this now. And my spirit can say, I don't want to watch that right now. I, w I would rather watch something that's going to edify me. I want to watch something that's going to give me spiritual information. Yeah, but I want to watch that show because I need to find out what's been happening. <laughs> yeah, I need to watch the news because I need to know what's going on. Well, who, whoever has the greatest strength is going to end up winning that battle. And so the more you feed your spirit, the less emphasis or the less influence your flesh is going to have. And so we want to give uh, recognition that our spirit needs to feed on more than just Sunday morning, more than just Sunday morning, Sunday night, more than just Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. You know, someone said to us recently, you know, you guys are breaking the mold because most churches don't have church on Sunday night. Well, how can they see the scripture that says, assembling yourselves together even more so as you see the day approaching? How can you see that verse and lessen your services? How can you see that it says that uh, the body of Christ is going to need more assembly? And then take less services, lessen the amount of opportunity you have for people to come. You know, if you, if you come tonight, you're going to find out there are a lot of people who are, are on Sunday nights that don't come on Sunday morning because maybe they have to work on Sunday morning. Maybe they had to work last night and they're sleeping. They'll be here for the evening service. But there are, are people uh, who would not be able to go to church if we didn't have Sunday night service. Amen? Amen? And if you've walked in a Christian life any length of time, you know you need more than just what you can get from Sunday to Sunday. If you try to live victoriously and only go to church from Sunday to Sunday, you, and then you start coming on Wednesdays, you, Wednesdays you find out, whoo, this makes it easier. It makes
makes it easier when I come and get the word on Wednesday too because now I've, I've fueled up. You know, it's like that person who only puts enough gas in for where they know they're going to go and then by the end of the week they're down on fumes. And they're just chugging in, you know, just I got just chug right on in up there to the gas pump. And some people just just come in Sunday morning on fumes because they have uh, the, the demand of life all throughout the week has been taking and and making a demand on the fuel supply that they got last Sunday. And if they had come on Wednesday, they would come in on Sunday morning on a half a tank. They just pull right up and say, I'm not going to wait till it gets under a half a tank before I fill up. Let me, I'm here at the fill-up station. You know, that's what church is. Church is the fill-up station. Because when you come in and you get filled up, this is where you come in and we pass out bullets every, every service. And you get your ammunition so that you are well stocked and, and defended so that when you go out, you are fully supplied with fuel, with ammunition to be able to walk out the plan and the victory that Jesus has made yours. Hallelujah. So our spirit feeds on God's word. And you know, it, we can look at the characteristics of the fruit of the spirit. We can see that those are our components that are... Uh, developed in the believer as we feed on the word of God but one of the greatest resources that comes as a result of you feeding your spirit on the word of God is believing power the power to believe when we are identifying ourselves as believers this is not just a tag to identify, to put a little sticker on you and say, yes, I'm a believer, but now you know your profession. You know, if you were to say, this person is a painter, this person is a painter. Steve Pitnick, you can look in his truck and tell the man's a painter. I, I used to say you could, there were times you could look at his skin and see that, you know, he didn't get all the paint off. He, there was evidence. He's a painter. That's his profession. If you have a person who's a carpenter, you can go out and you can find evidence in their work truck. They are a carpenter. That's their profession. That's what they do. And because of that, they want to develop in that. They want to have the tools to help in their profession. You are a believer. That's what you do. You believe God. You produce believing power. You bring faith, believing power into the situation. I'm a believer. Hallelujah. And so your spirit feeds on God's word and produces believing power. Romans chapter 10 talks about this believing power. We often refer to this uh, in uh, specific verses, but I'd like to read actually beginning in verse 6. And we'll read through to some of those more familiar verses that we often refer to. Romans chapter 10 verse 6 says, But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. The righteousness which faith produces has something to say. The right standing or the position, the, the condition of right standing causes this to be, it has this declaration to be made. 
Say not in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to say to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what does the righteousness which is of faith, the righteousness born of faith, what does it say? What does it say? The first thing that it did, it said, don't say this. And now it's going to teach you what to say. The righteousness which faith produces will teach you what to say. What does it say? The word is nigh you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So the Bible calls the word of God the word of faith. The Bible calls the word of God the word of faith. Why? Because there's faith in it. You can't get faith from it unless there were faith in it. If I have a bucket and there's water in it, I can pull water out of it because I've got water in it. But if there's no water in it, I can't get water out of that water bucket. Why? Because the bucket's got a hole in it. That's an old man. Never mind. So if my bucket's got a hole in it. No. You can only get out of it what is in it. So if there is faith in the word, we can get faith from the word. And we know there is because he said faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Verse 17, faith comes by hearing it. And the hearing is how to draw out of the word the faith that is contained in the word. So the word of God is the word of faith. If you need faith for a certain thing, you say, well, I'm believing for something. What scripture are you using? Well, I'm believing for something. Hoping is not believing. Hoping is part of believing, but hoping is not believing. Hoping is the the setting of the thermostat. Hoping is the establishing of the goal. But you can't believe without the word. You can hope without the word. There are a lot of people that hope. There was a woman that used to hope Philip Steele would be her husband, but she had no word for it. I had the word. She didn't have any word. She was hoping. She tried to dress like me. She came in and tried to bring gifts to my little girl. She came in and, and tried to, tried to, in all of our hope, but faith is the substance. You got to have word. Faith comes from the word. Hallelujah. I forgive her. I forgave her. Lord bless her. But the, the, the sad thing is there are a lot of people who are in hope and they think they're in faith. And they're hoping for something. I hope God heals me. I hope God helps me financially. I hope God turns my marriage around. I hope. I hope. Well, we've got to move beyond hope into faith. Faith gives substance to things hoped for. We're not complete. Hope is a blueprint. You can't live in a blueprint. You can look at the blueprint and see what your life should look like. You can look and see where the kitchen is going to be on a blueprint. You can look at a blueprint and determine where the windows are going to be, where the garage door is. But you can't live in the blueprint. And hope is just a blueprint for your faith to give substance to. Faith comes and builds what the blueprint is showing. So you need hope, but please don't stop at the developing of hope and say, well, I have hope. 
I have hope and that's all I need. I have hope and that's, that's enough. He says that we need to hope and then bring the word to that hope and let faith build what the blueprint is showing. So this process then, he says, the word is where? The word is near you even in your mouth and in your heart. It's in your mouth. And it's in your heart. It's in your mouth. And it's in your heart. If you are trying to develop faith for a thing, for a, a provision, for a promise, for something. And when I say faith, you can't use faith for something the Bible doesn't tell you is already yours. You can't use faith to win the lottery. You can't use faith to, to, to own a casino. You can't use faith to say, I'm going to hit the jackpot. I can't use faith to say 10 million oil wells. I've got to use faith for what's promised. Now, you can use faith for increase because increase is promised. You can use faith for stability because stability is promised. You can use faith to access healing because healing is promised. You can use faith for things that are yours by covenant already. You can't use faith for somebody else's husband, somebody else's wife. That's not yours by covenant. Amen? So in order for us to use faith, we've got to have scripture for it. So if there's no scripture for it, it's not promised to me. Amen. Hallelujah. So when a person says, well, I'm just going to believe God. I'm just going to believe God for that. I'm just going to, do you have a scripture to say I am authorized to believe God for that? Hallelujah. And that's where we want to be balanced in our faith. Because it says, then the word, we've got to take the scripture that we locate, we've got to take the scripture that we identify that says, God said, great will be the peace of my children, and my children shall be taught of the Lord. I've got a word now that talks about God saving my children. Now, I can take that word. How do I bring it into manifestation? How do I say this is a promise of God that great shall be the peace of my children and my children shall be disciples taught of the Lord? How do I bring that and cause it to come to pass in their lives? I put it in my mouth so I can get it in my heart. If you have a can of gasoline... It's not going to help your car go any faster because you have a can of gasoline. You can say, well, look, I've got a whole gallon right here in this can. You can shake that can and say, can you hear my gasoline in this can? Well, the gasoline in the can is not going to help your motor, motor propel your vehicle down the road. You've got to put it in the tank. Amen. If you want it to benefit, put it in the tank. And the word here in your Bible, you can say, I've got the newest version of the Bible. I've got the King James and the Amplified. I've got the Message Translation, the Passage Translation, the New Living Translation. I've got it on my iPad. I've got it on my phone. I've got apps. I've got, I've got downloads. I've got all kinds. Well, until it gets in your heart, it's not going to benefit. You can shake it, you can look at it, you can point to it, but you've got to put it in your heart. And he says that the word is first. Notice this order. When I see it in the Bible, I know the Holy Spirit put it there in that order for, uh, for a reason. He said the word is in your mouth 
and in your heart. So if you're standing and you're saying, I'm, I need to believe and release my faith where my children are concerned, then you can set, identify it, first of all, this is what the scripture says. Now, how do I get it out of the can into the tank? How do I get it out of the pages into a place where it can go through the supernatural combustion process to produce the believing power? I've got to get it in the heart. So, Psalm 45. Psalm 45 and verse 1 tells us how to get it in the heart. My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. My tongue is an ink pen that can write. My tongue is an ink pen that can write. Proverbs 3 verse 3 says... Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them about your neck. Write them upon the tablet, the table, the tablet of your heart. So my heart is a tablet, and my tongue is an ink pen. This is how I get the word off the page and into my heart. I write it on the table of my heart. You know, when I was a little girl, uh, they had uh, in, my, in my kindergarten and first, first grade classrooms, my teacher had a little album that she would put on the record player. A record player. And that little album had all of the multiplication facts. It might have been first or second grade. Probably wasn't kindergarten for multiplication. But she would put this on and, and they, would, they would start at the multiplication tables and they would repeat them and then we would follow along and we would repeat it. Every day she put this album on and we sang this little song to music repeating our multiplication tables and by the end of that six weeks, by the end of that few months, we had written the multiplication tables in our heart. How did we do it? Every day we were seeing it and saying it, seeing it and saying it. We were saying, wasn't just hearing it, we were hearing it and repeating it with them because the, the tongue is the pen that writes on the tablet of the heart. The tongue is the pen that writes on the tablet of the heart. And he says in Romans chapter 10, the word is in your mouth and in your heart. So let's say, for instance, that you come to a need in your life and you haven't, you haven't developed your faith in that area before. You know, you could be highly developed in faith about healing and not be highly developed in faith about finances. You could be highly developed in faith about salvation. You could know your salvation and not be certain of your, your covenant right concerning uh, another area, your children being saved. In order for you to develop in that, you're going to have to allow the Word of God to strengthen you in that area, and this is how. That's the basis. 
Remember, you get the scriptures. It's not just a, a, a positive confession. We don't just say, okay, I need to believe God for healing. I'm just going to start confessing. I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm not sick anymore. I'm healed. I'm not sick. I'm healed. I'm not sick. I'm healed. Where's the faith for that coming from? Your, your confession, uh, this, the, this is a twofold process. The first part of your saying it is to get it in the heart, to deposit it in the heart, to write it upon the tablet of your heart. When your heart gets full, then it will put it back out of your mouth. It'll, it'll load your mouth. When, but if your heart's not full, your mouth's not loaded. At that point, your mouth is used to deposit, to write, to deposit, to write. To, to, I'm, I'm writing it in my heart. I'm depositing it in my heart. Until... It comes to a place of fullness so that it is now loading your mouth, telling your mouth what to say. Don't stop putting it in. Continue, 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 continue putting that word in, speaking that word into your heart, meditating on that word, muttering it to yourself, depositing it into your heart. And and when faith comes, you will know it. And a lot of times, and I'm speaking, I'm going to raise both hands because this is from practical experience. I have found, I thought I was in faith until faith came. I thought I was in faith. I'm in faith about this. What I was in was in a faith development phase. I was in the place where I was still building my faith. And when faith came, I, woo, I was like Urkel for a moment. Did I say that? (laughs) Did I do that? Because faith came out. And I knew that did not come from my head. That did not come from my soul. That did not come from my feelings. That came out of my spirit and shocked me when it came out. And when it came out, it changed. It moved. The mountains moved. When when we read Mark 11, let's look at it for just a moment. When we read Mark 11, this is a person who has become proficient and developed in the operations of faith. This is every one of our goal. This is what we are aiming for. This is what we're developing for. This is why we are building our faith. When it says, whoever, verse 23, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he will have whatever he says. That person is not at elementary level. That person is not at a beginner stage of faith. This person knows that when it comes out of my mouth, I will not doubt with my heart, but I will believe it's coming to pass. So you better be prepared because the mountain's moving. Why? Because that person has developed their heart to be able to stay in line with what just came out of their mouth. And I'll be honest with you, there have been things that I have been believing for, thinking I was in faith about them until I reached the fullness of faith. And when faith showed up, I realized I hadn't been in faith up until now. And at that point is when it began to manifest in the situation and turn the situation or change what needed to be changed. But had I given up before I reached a fullness, I would have thought God let me down because I thought I was in faith. I thought 
I was operating faith correctly when I was just in the developing, building level of my faith. I'm so glad that I continued until I saw what, until I, not just saw, until I could identify the difference between where I was in a place, a stage of developing faith, and then when it came, I could identify the difference. Because having done that now, I can realize I'm not there yet because it's not, it's not, it's not coming out of me to affect change yet. So I need to keep putting it in me until it reaches the place where it can come out of me and affect change. Where the faith can come out of my heart through my mouth and affect change. Hallelujah. And to do that, we're going to need to be skilled in believing power. Go back to Romans 10. Let's look at this again. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in your mouth, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. The word of God is the word of faith which we preach, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. He is giving us an example of how faith works in one of the most important things we've ever used our faith for. To be born again. He said, this is how it worked when you were born again. You confessed with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord of your life. And at the same time, you believed in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And because of the believing of the heart and the declaration of the mouth, you were born again. Verse 10, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So believing is not of the head. You don't believe with your head. You can say, well, I see that. That doesn't mean you're believing it. You can, that's mental assent. And, and, and I agree with many uh, teachers over the years who have said, and I believe F.F. Uh, F. Bosworth, who is the author of Christ the Healer, made this statement as well as Brother Hagen and some others that I have heard make the statement that one of the greatest uh, enemies to a believer is mental assent because mental assent thinks that you're in faith. Mental assent says, I know that. That's why a pastor says when he's trying to, to minister to someone who is uh, uh, wanting to be a, a, a Timothy, to learn, to follow, to receive, and every time he comes to them, they say, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. I can't teach you anything then. I can't impart anything. Why? Because you're blocked. You're not receiving. Believers receive. Believers receive. Amen? Amen? And so... It, when, when a person thinks that I know the word says that, then they're not in the process of believing because they, they think the mental assenting to it is enough. Well, I know the word says that. We've used the example of the two people that a friend of ours 
encounter during uh, a Rhema camp meeting and they went up to these two people who were both diagnosed with cancer and they went to the first person and said, you know, I, I'm believing God with you, just want to locate where are you? And this person says, there are too many scriptures in the Bible about healing for me not to get healed. There's too many examples where Jesus has healed somebody in the Bible for me not to get healed. And, and this person had written books about healing and little pamphlets about healing and had ministered on healing, but he never heard that person say, I am healed. I believe I have it. I have it now. Healing is mine. Jesus has healed me. I'm the healed of the Lord. He never heard him say that. The second person he went to and said, I'm believing with you. Just want to know where you are standing. And, and that person says... I'm so healed, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. He healed me over 2,000 years ago when he took those stripes on his back. Sickness can't stay in my body because I've already received my healing. That person has made it personal. That person has now owned it. They've owned it. They brought it into their possession and they are possessors of the healing. The other person was acknowledging that healing was in the Bible. The other person was acknowledging that Jesus is a healer, but they had never brought it into their possession and made it theirs and said, I'm healed by his stripes. And, and, and it could have been that that person was at a place of assenting, and we don't know. Maybe they, they thought, well, I know what the Bible says, but knowing is not believing. Right. Knowing and and. and most of you, I can look across here. I know your faces. You've been with us long enough. You know. But hear me as your pastor. Knowing is not believing. Just because you know, please don't stop at the knowing. Please don't say, I know that. I don't need to read it. You need to read it just like you need to eat today. You ate, you ate yesterday. You've eaten every day for however many years. But you're still going to eat today. Why? Because your body needs food. So just because you've read that scripture doesn't mean you don't need to read it again. Just because you quoted that verse to yourself and read it right off the page of the Bible. 25 days, read it again. Quote it to yourself again. Write it on the tablet of your heart again. Why? Because you need to eat it. You need to eat that spiritual food because knowing is not believing. The word of faith which we preach is in the mouth. It's in the mouth. Whosoever shall say. It's in the mouth. Whosoever shall say to this mountain. It's in the mouth. We've got to have it in our mouth so that it's getting in the heart. Hallelujah. With the heart, man believes. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Notice what that says. With the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So with the heart believing power is made available. With the mouth confession releases that believing power to connect to the salvation. Salvation is not just being born again. Salvation is a word that means rescue. It means restoration. So if there is an area of your life you need rescue, an area of your life you need God's help in, it's the believing heart and the declaring mouth that's going to access the help, that's going to bring God's help into that situation, manifest in that situation. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Go back with us to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Let's read verse 3. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was accounted or counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham believed God. I covered this in quite detail in my recent book, Redeemed and Righteous by Nature. When we look at righteousness, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because He was made to be sin for us. This right standing, this righteousness is something that can be placed to an account. It can be... It can be added up. It can be uh, accounted. It can, it, it can be a, a transaction in the spirit realm. Abraham believed God and his believing power became a transaction. Faith is the transaction point. Faith is, is spiritual currency. Faith Brother, Brother Caps used to say, faith is of the same value as the thing hoped for. So faith has a value to it. Faith has a value to it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so faith that Jesus was raised from the dead has a value that qualifies me, gives me legal right to receive resurrection life in my life. I've been raised from the dead because I believe God raised him from the dead. If a person says, I don't believe God raised Jesus from the dead, that's all a story. That's all, that's all make-believe. That's all just somebody's uh, uh, imagination. That person cannot lay hold of the resurrection power necessary to raise them out of spiritual death because they don't believe and have the proper faith currency transaction to say, I believe God raised Jesus from the dead in my place. Therefore, he has raised me. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I am crucified together with Christ. Galatians 2.20. Crucified with Christ. Why? I believe and my faith has become a transaction point that when Jesus hung on the cross, he hung on the cross in my place, dying the death I deserved. So that means I've already died with Christ because he did it for me. And you can say he did it for you and put your faith in the fact that he did it for you. All of us can, can take that crucifixion of Jesus Christ and say, he died for me. And because he died for me, I don't have to die. The wages of sin that I owed, I no longer owe because I have faith. And that faith becomes a transaction and is counted to me for already having been crucified. He said in Romans chapter 6, we are buried with him. I have been in the tomb, Brother Rusty. I have been in the tomb. I've been buried. If you have never been buried, 
In order to be resurrected, you got to be buried, right? I've been buried and raised up, resurrected into the newness of life. Why? Because when God raised Jesus, he raised me. Jesus was raised for me. He was brought back to life for me. Do you see now? There's a transaction point. That's why if I believe that the stripes he took on his back were to heal my body, now I have, a, I have, I have enough faith transaction to lay hold of healing and it be transferred into my body. Why? Because I have faith that he took stripes on his back to pay for my healing. My healing has been paid for. I don't now, I don't need to wait. I don't need to wait. I don't need to put off until another day for God to heal me because he healed me when Jesus paid the price for my healing. The same time he saved me, the same time he raised me from spiritual death, the same time that he resurrected me when he resurrected Jesus, I receive it when I have faith that Jesus did it for me. My faith then becomes the transaction point for me to receive these, these provisional elements of my covenant. <coughs> Hallelujah. Faith is accounted as righteousness. In other words, if you were to go into a store today and you were to go pick up something off the rack that cost $200... Let's say you wanted to buy your wife a new dress or buy your husband a suit. You better go over there. Get that $400 suit for your husband. Just take it over there and set it down and say, say I want to I get this. Well, they're going to require you to have enough to pay for that. For you to, to have the right to walk out the door with that suit, you're going to have to make a transaction of, the, of equal value to what is on the price of that sticker. You're going to have to say, I am willing to give, I am willing to, to transact with you the $400 for that item, and now that item comes into my possession. It is now mine, and I can take it and do with as I choose because I have made the proper transaction. Abraham believed God and in the books, it was accounted at the cash register that day. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for right standing. He made a faith transaction. And in that faith transaction, righteousness was what he walked away with. Right standing. He believed God. So believing power has spiritual transaction. When I'm believing, that's why a person who doesn't believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, they won't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because they don't believe. If a person doesn't believe that God still heals today, they can't receive healing that way. They might get better by going and getting medical help and praise God. We want to go to the doctor if you need to go to the doctor. Please, if you're fighting something, go to the doctor with faith. Go to the doctor, whatever is necessary. Use your faith while you're going. Use your faith while you're taking your medicine. But if, if you are in, in the position where you say God doesn't heal, well, then you better hope the doctor can get it done. Because if there's no faith that God can heal you, you can't receive healing from him. 
There has to be a faith to receive. And we're, we're, we're receiving believers. We're receiving believers. So, so if there's an area of our life that we need God to move in, then we're going to take our, our energy and our effort and our attention to what the Word of God says about that, and we're going to start building and developing our faith for that to, to have the receiving of it in our life. Amen. Why? Because believing is a transaction. In this same chapter, Romans... Look over at verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law but to that which is of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. It is of faith that it might be by grace. Faith is our part. Grace is God's part. He's done His part. We know from John chapter 1 that Jesus is the fullness of, and we have received of His fullness spiritual gift heaped upon spiritual gift, grace upon grace. In Jesus, we have access to all that God has given by grace. Grace, one way to define grace is God's willingness to use all of His resources on our behalf because He's good. His grace. None of us deserve to get saved when we got saved. It was by His goodness. And He used all of His resources to save us. None of us had the, the payment for our sin to pay our own sin debt. None of us had it. None of us had enough righteousness to approach Him to receive it. None of us had anything that was necessary to save us. It was all of God's resources. He sent His Son who shed His blood and and gave His life and God's power that raised Him from God's resources. And He was willing to do it. None of us had to twist His arm to save us and convince Him and beg Him and promise Him all kinds of crazy things if you just save me. No, He was willing. And used all of His resources to save us just because he's good and he he loves us that's grace and God said everything that's yours for the rest not just in that initial salvation of being born again but everything you're going to need in this life I've supplied it by my grace I've supplied it now the same way you received salvation and being born again by faith. See, there ha- somebody had to preach. That's what it goes on to say in Romans 10. We didn't read that part. In Romans 10 it said, How can they hear except they hear a preacher? How can they hear? Faith comes by hearing but how c- and the Word of God, hearing the Word. But how can they hear except it be preached, proclaimed, uttered? It has to be confessed. Somebody has to say, Jesus will save. And in the hearing, faith comes. Why? Because there's faith in the Word. And the way to get it deposited is that proclaiming, sowing it into the heart, that person hears it, now faith has come, and they can receive. But he said, don't stop with just receiving your born-again experience from that being born again. Don't stop using that same provision of God's goodness, God's grace, by faith, I bring my faith to every provision to receive it. 
And this is why. He said, it is of faith that it might be by grace for this reason. To the end, or for this purpose, that the promise might be sure to all the seed. We are the seed of Abraham through Christ. Every promise of God is sure, steadfast. It is not something we're not, we're not shooting craps. Come on, give me snake eyes. If you don't know what that means, praise the Lord. Just disregard that. Just disregard that. Act like it never happened. Faith is not a game of chance. Faith is not something that I'm just, I'm going to try and if luck is on my side, if the, the cards are in my favor, all of those things are, are, are chance and witchcraft workings. If, if the stars are lined up right, all of those things. But people sometimes approach faith like that. Well, I'm believing, but if it doesn't work. If you're believing, you would never say if it doesn't work. Because faith is certainty. Faith is assurance. If I'm in faith, I know I have it. If I'm in faith, I believe I have received it already. I'm not waiting to receive it. I'm not, when, I, when it shows up, is not when I receive it. And we'll say, well, praise God, it finally got here. No, I've had it this whole time. You're just now seeing what I've been holding on to with my faith. I had it in the spirit realm before I could see it in the natural. That's what faith is for. That's what faith is for. There are things you need to receive that are spiritual and you're not going to get them without being spiritual. Using spiritual forces to receive spiritual things. To get them into manifestation in our natural life, we're going to have to use this method so that it's sure. So that it's steadfast. The promise is steadfast. I know God heals me every time. I don't even have to wait till I get sick to, to access his health. I'm just going to be healthy. How about we just go ahead and access health every day? Just download some health every day. Just put it in your mouth, pot, deposit it in your heart, and say, by his stripes I am healed. So since I am healed, I'll just be healthy. Amen. You never have to be sick another day in your life. Amen. You never have to be broke another day in your life. Amen. Why? Because the promise is sure. The promise is steadfast. If I'm using faith on my part, accessing what is given to me by His grace, which goes back to I've got to know what's mine in the grace covenant. I've got to know what's supplied out of His resources for me. All things that pertain unto life and godliness, He has given us. I've quoted it twice, but you should look at it. First Peter just so you don't think I'm, I'm saying something positive, I want you to know it's, it's a specific reference that I'm making. I'm sorry, 2 Peter 1, verse 3. According as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. So He has given us all things, past tense, they're ours now, 
And he's given them to us through the great and precious promises in verse 4. They're, they're in promise form, or you could say this, they're in seed form. They're in promise form, they're in seed form, so that means they have to be put in the heart. A seed has to be put in the ground. Jesus explained that the heart of man is the ground that receives the word. He said the seed was the word of God. And it was planted in the hearts of men. And those people who received the word and, and not just received it momentarily, but they received it and they brought forth, they held on to it. They didn't let the rocks, any rocks in their heart of offense to move the word out of their life. But they dug those rocks out and said, I'm not going to be offended. Remember what he said to John the Baptist? Blessed are those who are not offended in me. We're going to pull those rocks out and say, I refuse to be offended. I'm going to walk in love. They don't let any, any uh, 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 thorns choke out the word, the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches as if money could answer every problem. No, there are things money can't answer for me. There are things money can't do for me. But any need I ever have, any supply I ever need, God can't. So I keep that heart condition open for the Word of God to grow and to have fruitfulness. And I bring forth, you bring forth, you are the good ground, faith builders. You are good ground believers. Good ground believers. You bring forth the fruit of the Word of God, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. That word coming forth in your life is believing power. It's those promises being sown into the heart and being received because I allowed the word to have root in my heart and to release the power of that promise into my situation, to my life. Hallelujah. Healing is sure. We are never at a disadvantage trying to get healed. We have enough healing seed in this verse, in this, in this book right here. We have enough healing seed in Isaiah 53, 4, in, in 1 Peter 2, 24. There's enough healing just in those. Add to that Matthew 8, 14. You, just, you got enough healing seed in the Word of God to produce lifelong healing crop. Lifelong healing crop. How many of you want to eat, eat from the healing crop? You want to be able to go out into your garden and you want to be able to pull out some healing tomatoes off your vine. Get some healing green beans off, your, off, the, off the plant right there. Well, then you got to sow it. Don't wait till, you get, till sickness tries to attack your body before you go find some seed because then what's going to happen? You're going to have to wait till that seed grows up to produce fruit because the Word, it says in Mark chapter 4, that it, it first it brings forth the blade. And then you got to leave it in the ground so that it can bring forth the stalk. And then you, it's not ready to get anything off, just the stalk. you got to wait until it produces the ear and the full corn in the ear. So you can't just sow in the time of distress and, and reap the next day. And say, well, I need healing scripture, I need healing today. Well, if you're going to get it by faith, you need to have already put some healing seed in your garden and have some healing out there ready for you to go pick it. Amen. That's why you can feed on healing scriptures now and just stay healed. Amen. And if sickness does try to attack your body, you've got a full supply. Just go, just go load your plate up with those healing vegetables off the garden. 
Just have yourself a healing salad. <laughs> now, this is important because when I first got saved, I just thought, well, it's automatic. You know, just press a button, just a drive through microwave kind of thing, you know. And so uh, I heard Brother Hagen talk about one time that uh, his wife called and said that Sister Pat, was, she was just a little girl at the time, Pat Harrison, uh, their daughter was, uh, had a very serious something on her eye that had grown and, and um, the doctors were saying that if it's not removed, such and such. And so he's, I, you know, you think here's this man who's received supernatural healing, raised off a deathbed. Here's this man who is out on the road preaching healing, seeing, laying hands on people, them being healed, that he would just... He would just over the phone, you know, just pray the prayer of faith, and, and, but he didn't. He said, you know what I did? I took the next three nights, and every time I wasn't either, because he was preaching in the morning and preaching at night, and he said, I spent the rest of my time that I wasn't preparing for my sermons just feeding on healing scriptures. He said, I didn't even pray about it yet. He said, I just went and, and just spent a few hours every day just feeding on healing scriptures, and when faith was present, I prayed. When After he had fed on those scriptures and meditated on those scriptures, then he released his faith, and by the time he got home from that trip, she was healed. But, but when I heard that, what caught my attention was that he didn't just immediately jump out there and say, well, by the stripes of Jesus, she's healed, and we'll just believe it, we'll just claim it, we'll just take it, we'll just receive it. Why? Because even in this place where he was ministering healing, preaching on healing, he needed to feed on it so that it was in his heart to draw from. What a lesson we can learn from that. What a lesson that we can learn. And if, if we have the wrong idea, then the enemy turns the blame and says, God didn't heal you. When it could be that there wasn't a sufficient amount of faith built in the heart to make the transaction. I'm so glad God provides other ways for healing. He's so, he's so loving and desiring for us to be healed. He put healing anointing in the body of Christ. He put gifts of healings. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He put the prayer of faith to heal the sick. Hallelujah. But in that case, somebody has to have faith to pray for the sick. Somebody has to have already developed faith that when I pray, they will be healed. And in a situation, if somebody's dealing with fear... If somebody's dealing with, there's a lot of different elements there. If somebody is, is, has got an area of, in their life that uh, maybe I'm not going to get it and they're thinking about dying and they're worried about dying, if there's fear, if there's worry, that prayer of faith can't override that. Somebody else's faith can't override that. If that person has spoken a lot of, of negative things, for instance, uh, uh, there was a man who was in a coma and a minister went to pray for him and the, the Lord said, there are things that have been set in motion that you cannot undo. And that man ended up, he, you know, he tried to pray for him, but he could not effectively find you. Because when, when you lay hold of something in prayer and you know, when you make the faith connection, your spirit knows you've made a faith connection. Yep. 
Your spirit knows. And, and if you've never done that, please hear me and stay with it until you recognize if I haven't made that faith connection, I can't walk away and say, well, I have it by faith just in hope. When, you're, when faith is present, when faith is operative, you know I have it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence. The, that sounded so southern when I said that just then. <laughs> Tennessee just came out of my mouth. The evidence of things, it's evidence. I have evidence. You, you could not come to me and say, that vehicle is not yours. You don't own that vehicle. That vehicle's mine. I'm taking that vehicle. It's mine. I have evidence it belongs to me. I have a title. Faith is the title deed, one translation says. I have faith. I know it's mine. It belongs to me. I have it now. Hallelujah. Without that knowledge of that operation of faith and people are in mental ascent thinking they're in faith or they are still at the development of just hoping and they haven't reached a level where they are convinced or fully persuaded. Those are two, two identifiers to a, a fullness of faith being fully persuaded, Romans chapter 4 says. Uh, certain or being convinced, Hebrews chapter 11 says. Those two evidences of conviction, convinced, fully persuaded. If, if we're not there yet, we don't want to just say, I'm in faith, I'm in faith about that, I believe in God. Without the conviction, without the being convinced, without the full persuasion, then when it doesn't come into full manifestation, that person says, God didn't do it. Many times the blame then is put on God because the disappointment of that person who thought they were in faith when in actuality it was their lack of skill where faith was concerned. God never fails. God never fails. It's never a lack on God's part. It's never a falling short on God's part. And the great thing about this relationship we have with him even when we fail if we come and say lord somewhere i've missed it he will help us get back Amen. on track he will help us get back to a place of restoration it will just it, because the receiving is in that humility of saying lord somehow i missed it i thought i was in faith but i wasn't i thought i was believing you but evidently i wasn't because I wasn't certain and those thoughts kept coming to my mind and I kept entertaining those thoughts that it wouldn't happen and wondering what if and allowing the fear and allowing the unbelief. And so evidently I wasn't in faith. I, I was trying, but I didn't make it. Please have mercy and help me get back on track. And he will. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're receiving believers. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Father. Father, we just come in the name of Jesus and we say thank you for teaching us how to operate this privilege of faith, how to become skilled. Lord, as the pastor in this house, I desire skill in the personal life of every believer. 
that each and every one of us would become proficient in your word, established in your word and proficient in the application of it. Father, that there would be a humility where faith is concerned. That we approach with a humility, a recognition that, that none of us are faith giants. That you, Lord, are the one who teaches us. And we desire to know more about the operation of faith in our home, in our finances, in our health. Lord, teach us how to live healthy. Teach us how to sow the word concerning health so that sickness never has root in our life. That we're always eating of a supply of the word that's been planted in our life. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, this choice to know Him as Lord is the beginning of everything we've just talked about. The spiritual life only comes by Christ Jesus. Only by receiving His substitute on the cross, paying the price that we owed, dying the death we deserved, only by faith that He did that for you and that God raised Him from the dead can a person be saved, born again, and rescued from that destruction. If that's you and you would say today, Pastor Michelle, I need to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord. Would you lift your hand right where you are? I want to make sure everyone is confident in their place with Christ, their place in Jesus. Hallelujah. Every heart confident. I want you to say this together with me, church. Say this out of your heart. Father, Father I, open I open my heart to receive your word, to, your word, to, apply, your word. to apply your word. Give me confidence, Give me confidence in, speaking your word. in speaking your word. Stir me, Lord, Stir me, Lord. And, and direct me, and direct me. In, the in the application of faith. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Praise God. Praise God.